go. For those of you just joining the call here today, we've got uh, some fantastic guests and I'm going to start off with Lisa Dudson from New Zealand. Hi, Lisa. Evening. Well, it's probably morning your time. Morning my time, evening your time. Um, Lisa, for those of you that don't know, is uh, one of the leading financial authors in New Zealand. Um, she still has the number one book on property investment ever written in New Zealand. The Complete Guide to Residential Investment Property in New Zealand. Am I right? Is that the title? No, almost. Property investment, but hey. Yeah, who's counting? Semantics. <laughs> uh, sold literally tens of thousands of copies of, of, of that book, and it's great to have you on the call. Um, you're the money lady. So I'm really interested to get straight to the guts of this. What at the moment should people be doing in terms of their finances? So, um, you know, for our business, we're okay. We've got a long tail on our business, but even so, you know, our new business has definitely dropped off in the, in the last month. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think there's lots of people who have got no business. There's lots of people who are chewing into savings. What, what's your sort of feelings? And we'll get into tips and techniques. Uh, but firstly, from a, maybe a mindset viewpoint, uh, what are you feeling in, with your own life and own savings? Um, well, I'm pretty relaxed. I'm actually quite enjoying having a quieter, more peaceful life, to be fair. Um, but I'm financially quite comfortable, as one would hope, if I'm going to be New Zealand's money lady, it would kind of wouldn't be very appropriate if my finances were a bit of a disaster. Um, um, but I, I have to say, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I looked at my share portfolio, um, probably, I don't know, middle of March, whenever it was, and I thought, oh, I better just close that computer down. And then I looked at it out of curiosity for a, a few days following, and I thought, oh, that's actually getting quite painful. <laughs> it has rebounded a wee bit, but it is kind of like, holy moly, that's a lot of money that's disappeared up in smoke in a very short space of time. And I think we had this conversation, Mike, when you're in New Zealand. Um, so I look, I'm pretty reasonably relaxed about things because I always think that these times are good for reflection and um, tidying up and I follow a economist in New Zealand called Tony Alexander and you know and, he, and I read one of his latest things today and he's saying look you know he's been saying for the last couple of years that you know um, businesses need a bit of a tidy up and a bit of a clean out and I think what this um, environment we have at the moment is that tidy up and clean out clean up's been forced upon us at the speed of lightning um, and hasn't really given us much time to prepare other than the fact that he's been saying for the last couple of years you know businesses you need to be trimming the fat and, and thinking about innovation and, and you know putting some money aside for a rainy day and all of those sort of things so and of course you kind of say well yeah we'll get around to it and then suddenly this happens and it's like well shit you know maybe I should have actually you know been a bit more proactive so that's kind of a, a bit of a general level. And tell me this what, what are you sort of because I, I know you'll be talking to a lot of clients and friends at the moment and people are saying well you know I've got to cut back somewhere so I know <laughs> You know, for all our conversations over the years, and you've told me, you know, you've had people earning half a million dollars a year who probably can't afford the next piece of bread in their cupboard because they spend so much. Mm. So what are you sort of advising people at the moment generally? And remembering we've got people on this call from Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, um, the Netherlands, uh, Singapore, South Africa that I can see here. So what would be some general advice to sort of tightening the belt at the moment and and then maybe we'll get into leading into that, uh, into what happens next. Um, well, I guess I think the, the first thing you've got to do in times like this is you've got to get really hard on yourself and you have to go through your business and personal expenditure line by line by line and go, do I really need this? And you have to be, I think, quite hard on yourself um, in this space. Um, and so I think that's a really important thing because... I think you've, you know, you've got a lot of speakers and trainers as, as part of the circle of excellence. And, you know, and I've dealt with a, a lot of people in that profession over many years and they tend to be spenders. Um, I think <laughs> not many that I've seen have been uh, very tight with their money. They tend to be the, the opposite. Smiling. So. I see Diane smiling. <laughs> so I think, you know, like you just have to be really, really tough in these times and you just need to, you know, you need to get rid of as many things as you, as you possibly can. And, and I was talking to someone in the video um, business who has a little software and, and they said like they literally cut every single software license they could because whilst it's $10 or $20 or $50 a month or whatever it happens to be, that adds up to a lot of money over the course of a year. And if it's not life dependent, 
if, if things are tough for you in your business right now and you don't have much revenue, I think you have to look at it from um, a perspective of, hey, you know, does my life depend on this? And if it doesn't, you get rid of it because you can always get it back in two, three, four, six months down the track, right? So, um, and, and I guess interestingly, from a personal um, expenditure point of view right now, a lot of people are saving a lot of money. Um, because it can't go anywhere. Although in New Zealand, we opened up for takeaways um, what we, Thursday on Tuesday, and there's been reported, you know, news articles and that fact, I was even in one part of Auckland the other day, and there's like massive queues, like two hours long to get takeaways for Christ's sakes, you know, like there are more important things in life than takeaways, but that's the first thing people do when they come out of lockdown. So it just shows you how they think about their money. But, um, you know, but my point is, I think when you, when you go through things line by line, and yes, it's a painful exercise, you'll be amazed at what you save. So I think that's one of the first things that you really need to do before you start thinking about, well, how then do we take advantage of this situation? So let's just pick up this point and then, and then we go into maybe your, your point about taking advantage. So, so for instance, I've got, a, I've got a major tax bill next week. It's my second provisional tax payment. And, you know, last year was a good year. So it's a, it's a big payment. And uh, luckily, uh, you know, talking with my accountant said, well, you know, because of COVID, there's some certain things you can do. We've got the money to pay it. It's sitting there. But of course, the money's better in our bank account than it is in the IRD's bank account. So I don't care whether I disappoint the IRD or not, right? I don't care whether I have to do business with them. They're a faceless entity. But I'm really, really... Um, looking at when I looked at Lundy and I went through all of our expenses too surprisingly enough at this stage we've not decided to cut one um, at this point of time but when we looked at it the last ones we're going to cut are any ones where there's a personal relationship involved so for instance if we look at our accountant you know he's great he's been our accountant for 15 years he costs us an awful lot of money we're not going to go to Ross and say Ross um, we want to reduce your payment or we want to not pay you for the next three months I you know, that, that would be sort of the last relationship. It'd have to get pretty desperate for me to, to start breaking those relationships. Do you have an opinion on, on that or what's your sort of um, way you go about that? Well, I guess it's, again, you know, it's line by line and it's going, well, you know, do I really want it? What value does it bring to me, right? now? So you've gone and said, okay, well, that's a, that's a valuable relationship. But can you go, well you know, do, can you cut it in half? And, and But it also depends on what how tight things are for you because if your revenues come down a wee bit and you've got some money in the bank, well, hey, tightening a wee bit's fine. But if things are really, really tough for you right now and you don't have any spend money in the bank, you have to be doing whatever you can because it's it's about your survival at the end of the day, you know? And, you know, it, there's going to be a lot of businesses that go to the wall through this time. You know, 20, 30% of small businesses might be going to the wall through these these tough times you don't want to be a statistic. So, you know, it's better to be safe than sorry and actually be quite tough on things. And, and you've got to make a value-based decision around, you know, what are the things that are important to you? Because what's important to me is going to be is going to be different from what's important to someone else. But again, it's that filter of, I'm fighting for my survival right now. I have to be tough on myself. What are the things that I need to do? And interestingly, coming back to Tony Alexander, he did an interesting survey a couple of weeks ago and he went out to, because he tends to survey um, his readership, which is quite vast, and go, what are the things that you learned from previous recessions? And and then sort of um, summarise them and then cut and paste a lot of people's quotes. And one of the things that came up quite regularly was, um, I wish I'd made faster decisions about cutting costs. So that was a really key thing of what people had learned. Um, another key thing was around productivity um, from the perspective of, oh, I was amazed that my staff could work an extra, you know, get an extra day to day and a half's worth of productivity in a week when I sat down and communicated and said, hey, we have to work together, otherwise we're not going to be here and you're not going to have a job. And also around um, the other couple of key things that come to mind were, you look, suppliers are going to negotiate with you. You know, so go back to them and say, I'll pay your bill, but I can only pay 80% of it or 85% of it. Um, I'll buy your goods, but I need this discount um, was a common theme. And the other one, which was interesting, was don't get too quick cutting your advertising budget because that's what gets you out the other side of this. So and you know, I think that's a, po that's a point. Things. I want to pick that up. I think they're great things, Lisa. They're really great because um, we do have a lot of speakers, trainers, um, Service professionals, I think, you know, is probably, if I looked at the circle of excellence, 90% of it is service professionals. So whether they speak or not, maybe, but speaking could be a small part of it, like it is for you. 
Um, you don't really call yourself a speaker, but you speak. So um, I am really, really keen for us to get in our mindset. And I think it's what you just said of making sure our clients know that they shouldn't cut the us as their service professionals. There's a lot of people in marketing here. There's a lot of people in leadership. There's a lot of people in strategy. There's a lot of people in advice as I look down the list of people who are on this, on this call and online. I mean, I don't think ever before they're more needed than they are now. And I spoke to a marketing lady in Hawke's Bay who's not a client. And she said, oh, she's not contacting her clients at the moment because she doesn't want to bother them. My comment was, are you serious? Right? Because I think these days people have no idea how they're going to get themselves out of, out of this. And I found myself on, on a call just the other day um, with somebody literally who up until COVID was working with CEOs at a top level in leadership advice. I've never heard him so negative. And I, I said, Am I, I'm going to have to get off this call because you're the most negative person I've talked to in, in two months. I think you should shut your business down and just retire right? Because if you've got that attitude, then I don't think you're, you're going to get much more. So this, maybe this is going to lead me into my next question. I'll just pick this up for a minute on, you know, how can we, from a monetary point of view, manage our attitude a little bit at the moment? And then let's move from that into what are some opportunities that you feel are coming up for people? Um, so let me just repeat, how do we manage it from our, our money? From our mindset, from a mindset, well, you know, I suppose it's, um, um, how do I look at it? I mean, I'm pretty pragmatic. I go, well, you just have to suck it up. It is what it is and I can't do anything about it. So, you know, point grizzling about it. That's no one, no one really cares, right? So I kind of go, well, you know, that doesn't do me any favours. So you get up and go, well, what can I do? So, I mean, that's, you know, my very simple, typical Lisa, straight to the point pragmatic answer is don't wallow, just kind of get it together and move on. Yep. And so, okay, great. And that, that's, I think, the right answer. So um, what's, what's some of the opportunities, Lisa, that you're seeing? Well, I think you just got to talk to people, um, you know, and it, it's probably been a little bit hard probably going into lockdown and, and certainly from a New Zealand perspective. But as we get through it and people get a bit more um, used to it, not be quite so freaked out, because I think, I think New Zealand, for instance, was a complete ghost town the first two weeks because everyone was paranoid about touching anything and about breathing anything. And we're a bit more relaxed. So it's a bit easier to have conversations now. But I think it's just keeping in touch with people and it's building that rapport and those relationships. One of the things that my partner Graham did um, with my suggestion, he had a, um, a potential job, but they had lost their funding because of the um, the virus or the funding lines had stopped. So I said to Graham, well, you don't actually have a huge amount of work on right now. So why don't you give him a cheap price just to get this bit of work done and say to him, look, if he can pay, he can pay, you know, if he does, if he can't, he can't, but we'll take the risk on that, that he'll be able to pay or get his funding at some point, right? But we were quite prepared to do it for nothing because I saw it as this guy was, it was quite a, it was a, a drone project, um, Graham's an engineer. So, um, you know, it's connected, the, the guy that owns the drone company is well connected. And so that's what he did. And the guy was like, this is amazing. And was so appreciative that he'd done the work um, without going, hey, you need to pay me up front. We're taking the risk. And so there's potentially some more work coming to us. So I think that's the thing. It's about doing deals. You know, yeah. you don't, you know if, you, if you've got a time on your hands and people are a bit tight, then you go, okay, well, don't pay me for three months or pay me half the amount and I'll, I'll fund half of it and you can pay me the other half or, you know, just get creative. Yeah, I think that's great advice, just getting creative. Diane's put in the chat here, Saatchi and Saatchi, a marketing company in the world, actually, Diane, um, says it will take nine times longer, nine times more money to get going after lockdown if you don't continue to market right now. So I think, and Philippe said, you know, he's heard that advice about don't cut your marketing and advertising budget now. So that's really rung home for people. Now, um, for those of you that weren't on our mastermind call a couple of weeks ago, we had Rainier on the call. I'm not sure if he's on today's call. Now, Rainier um, is a, one of our great clients from Cape Town. He runs, a, um, he runs basically an online marketing agency, which is really big. He's got some really big customers. And he was saying um, on that call, and I'll, I'll just remind you guys at the moment, for some of his clients that are doing Google ads at the moment, they're literally paying one-tenth 
the price that they were to get the same result pre-lockdown. So it's costing them 10% to get the same result during lockdown as what it was pre-lockdown. So that's, that's phenomenal. So I also noticed because we did, I spent a hundred bucks and I, I never spend money on advertising, I spent a hundred bucks um, on Facebook ads for our Conscious Leadership Summit. And I think I got 35 people on the summit from Facebook ads, which was just amazing. So I think that's a really good point. Lisa, I'm going to, um, any final tips that you want to um, get into before uh, we maybe go to any questions that anybody's got? If you've got a question, maybe just type it in if you can. If not, um, you can raise your hand if you've got to raise your hand button or do something else and, or just yell out. Uh, back to you, Lisa. Any final tips on money? really I, I i suppose one thing that does come to mind is don't be fearful of money um a lot a lot of people overcomplicate money and, and are fearful of it and i think when you have that attitude then you tend to ignore it and as soon as you ignore your money then it tends to come around and bite you on the backside so i think as you know someone who if they want to build their business and build their personal wealth you have to be aware of where your money's going so that doesn't necessarily mean not spending it but you need to have awareness around it and make conscious decisions because most of us make our uh, decisions around money in fact most things in life because of our subconscious you know um, behavior and thinking and, and habits right so um, I'm always been teaching people to go you know think about it and make a conscious decision and then I think you're, you're going to do better with with everything that you do we just get I think we just get so paralyzed by fear from lots of different things and money is one of the things that are in the it's at the top of the list and really money at the end of the day is not that complicated because if there's a gap between what you earn and what you spend and you invest it in some shape or form and you keep investing it you're going to get ahead financially right, right. that's not complicated yep um, one question here uh, where would you put extra money now due to the economy we have currently I think you know that's, that's a global question yeah, I think it's a, that's a, it's a um, very much dependent on your personal situation. So, for instance, I, I tend to believe in um, diversification. So I have, you know, a property portfolio and I have interest in business and I have interest in the share market. So I think it depends on risk profile, um, you know, context of your personal circumstances, your timeframes. Um, obviously, there's been some opportunities in the share market, um, but that's a higher risk sort of strategy. Um, although the share markets have rebounded quite strongly. So I think it's more around and, you know, how much are we talking about? What's your purpose circumstances, your risk profile, your goals? And, and, uh, and you probably, these times have illustrated how important diversification is. And, and liquidity is something to be thinking about as well, right? Because the, the people who are going to do really well in these times are going to be people that have got liquidity and they're well-funded or can get access to funding because they've got robust businesses. And, and they're going to do very, very well in these times. And remember, folks, there is access to funding because there's, there's plenty of companies around that have had a lot of money sitting around and they're going to be looking for opportunities. I spoke to one of our clients uh, yesterday and they're talking about, uh, it's a South African company, and they've been uh, in negotiations with a British company um, who is looking to invest in certain things in South Africa and they're looking to seed that with around about five five million pounds at the moment. So, and that's what cash they've got in the bank that they want to spend on opportunities. So there are things around, you might not need, everybody needs five million pounds, don't get me wrong, but um, there may be different things that you can actually pitch to people and coming through this. So Lisa, I'm going to move on to Paul now, but I just want to finish up and we'll come back and do some extra questions towards the end that people have got. Um, and folks, feel free to give your own insights, but we might leave those till the end as well. Uh, but but um, from that, I think, you know, whether you are looking for money, whether you have something to offer, whether you've designed a new product, whether you want to go out and market now, two key things have come out of uh, what Lisa shared. One is don't stop marketing. Number two is tighten the belt. And number three is build relationships. And now's the time to build relationships. Lisa, thanks. We'll come back to you. And uh, Sue, I see you're there. So I'll, I'll talk to Paul and then to Sue. Paul, welcome. How, uh, how's the Netherlands today? The Netherlands is doing very fine. <laughs> um, well, we are in the same situation as uh, a lot of uh, people in countries. Um, funny thing is we have a lockdown, but we call it an intellectual lockdown. I don't know what it means, but hey, <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds great. 
but it means we we can walk outside uh, we can be in group small groups uh, but we need to keep distance and don't do stupid things yeah you will know some people will do it and will go to uh, ikea when they reopen and then standing in line for two or three hours like lisa was saying about takeaways but that's human behavior so no we're doing fine that's good yeah uh, luckily in new zealand and um the netherlands people are very good people they're very compliant Whereas uh, I think, you know, in, in South Africa, people aren't that compliant. So, um, you know, when, when we come out of a, a level five lockdown to level four tomorrow, I think it is, you know, it'll be interesting to see how many people get arrested uh, and what, what goes on the news. Paul, um, the speaking world, you're the global president of the Speakers Association world, worldwide. Uh, Mandy says, by the way, rules are considered recommendations here in South Africa. That's very true. Um, Paul, what's happening in the speaking, training, consultancy, coaching world? Because they're all sort of wrapped into one. Give us an overview firstly, and then I'm interested in who's doing well during COVID and why? Oh, well, this is a, a big question. Uh, I think what I see is that all the speaking in venues is totally gone you you see some small groups coming up again so training workshops for five to ten people it's possible in in europe at this point uh, the rest is completely zero what i see now is uh, more and more online versions um, i don't call it virtual <laughs> you know the discussion mike um, in the UK, they call it remote, and we call it now online sessions. So it's an online workshop, online training, and that kind of stuff. And that's, that's moving fast. Um, I didn't do it at all four weeks ago. Now I'm selling online training and workshops worldwide. Why? Well, like Lisa said, we have the time to clean up the mess. And the mess is that we travel a lot and we think that that's the only way to do business. And as a world president, I was supposed to travel a lot. And since uh, March 21st, I'm at home. So my wife is happy, my dog isn't. Um, <laughs> my kids aren't because I was talking to them on the phone more often than I do now. But um, I was in Australia when the Netherlands went into a lockdown. And it was silly to see that we were hugging people there and kissing and going out for dinner. And the Netherlands and the whole of Europe was in a lockdown. And I wasn't sure I could come back to the Netherlands. But hey, no problem. I came back. And then I saw the whole speaking, training, coaching world uh, change. I think coaching is still there because you can organize coaching in a different way, much easier than what I do. I talk on engagement, on the relationship between engaged people and profitability. Well, a lot of companies and a lot of my clients say, well, Paul, nice story, but let's do it in September. So, but if you are a coach and especially on stress, on that kind of stuff, um, yeah, that's, that's the big market now. And if you can change part of your speaking, training, coaching world into areas where you can support individuals or small teams, it will work out. And then the discussion is, I had it yesterday with a big training bureau. They said, well, you need to reduce your fee for the online workshop. And I said, no. I'm not, you're not paying my travel expenses, but the amount of knowledge that I'm sharing is still the same. So the value of my program is still the same. And it was a tough conversation because they said, oh, you should go to 50%. And they said, I'm not going to do it because this is what I'm going to sell after the crisis as well. Yep. So when the biologic crisis is done, we get into an economic crisis and then people are still paying 50%. So that's what I see in that discussion is worldwide the same. 
I think you're right. I think that's a really good point for all, all listeners here, regardless of your business. It's not the time to drop prices. As Lisa said, it might be the time to do deals, but it's not the time to drop prices. I mean, your expertise, boy, oh boy, I mean, Lundy and I are so adamant about this. We've actually been talking about putting our prices up. You know, we've got 40 years experience basically in doing this. We're at the top of our game in the world. Why should we be dropping prices? You know, if you don't want to pay us, then get some second rate monkey to help you. That's sort of how I feel about it. You know, and I'm really, really adamant about that. And I think that, you know, more of us that can be that way because, you know, and particularly in Asia, Paul, the natural thing in Asia is people will drop prices. That's the Asian mentality, right? Um, but I think the more we can hold to that in, in the rest of the world, Europe, the Australias, the New Zealands, the Africas, that sort of things, Americas. I don't think we've got any Americans on this call. Our time's never right for them. But, um, but from that aspect, I think that's the most important thing is holding that price. Paul, you said you, four weeks ago you weren't doing any online stuff. Now you're doing online. I know there's a lot of speakers, trainers, et cetera, and others on this call that are wondering how they can make that shift to online. In your, in your mind, how difficult was it really? And are you having fun with it or is it a burden? And what's it doing for you emotionally? Mike, you know that one of my non-negotiables is having fun in what I'm doing. So, um, and it, it, I must admit, it was a mind uh, shift. Um, I, I love to be in front of audiences. I love to feel the energy. Um, I'm responding. I don't have, my talk is not scripted. So I know what I want to say, but it will change every time. So I need to feel the energy. So for me, it was impossible, I thought, to be in front of an audience like this and, and doing my normal keynote kind of stuff. Uh, but when you see that your calendar is completely empty, uh, then you think, why can't I do it online? And I had to work hard. I think it took me two weeks, uh, talk to you and, and Landy, talk to Chris Davidson, my UK friend, uh, talk to others. Um, I started with looking the webinars of Steph Duplessis. If you want to have fun, go there, uh, go to his website, Steph Duplessis. Um, he is doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday uh, masterclasses online with the greatest speakers. It is for free. And he tells every time he didn't do this before. And when you see how much fun he is having doing it, then you see, okay, I can do that as well. So try to be innovative, try to change your own paradigm. This is a paradigm shift that we're going through. And I created three online sessions within two days after I made that shift in my head. Right. Um, and to, to be sure, in, in the UK, I have a business partner called Spa Medical, and I work with them for NHS. And we are going to give three online trainings for free to their customers. So that's a gift that they are giving to their customers and they are paying me for it. So sometimes you say we do it for free, but it's, then it's a marketing deal. And that, that's okay. So I think I, we have to be more creative than we were ever before. Yep. I, I love this, Paul. This is really great because I think you've opened um, a really good idea here for people on the call. So we've got a bunch of people who are fantastic presenters on this call. I mean, I see Lisa Evans is on this call. She's probably the main person in Australia that trains speakers, right? So we've got all these fantastic people um, here. Now, you may not be able to go out, as Paul says, and go and do your own stuff at the moment, but what about your clients? What about, change, what about a short a pivot? What about looking at your top 20 or 30 clients and the message that they need to tell their people? Because, you know, this is how your client's going to be. Oh, uh, uh, gee, uh, sorry, folks, I've not done this online. Uh, is the light right? Hang on. Oh, how does it work? Uh, uh, 
You know, that's how clients are going to look when they're talking to their customers. Why don't they hand that over and you and the client designs a brilliant keynote which you deliver for your customer, not your stuff, your customer's stuff online and integrated with your own stuff and you charge for that. So suddenly you're the ambassador for your customer because you're the expert. Now, on, on our Conscious Leadership Summit that we had last weekend, Paul, we had a good friend of Lundy's and mine, I'm not sure if you've ever met him, um, Senator Brian Neves. Now, Brian was one of Obama's senators. He's a speaker. Um, he's been speaking since he came out of the Obama regime. He's not a politician anymore. He did his 12 years. He said he never wants to see the inside of an official building again in his life. But um, he's a great guy, Brian. But Brian calls himself, he's a hired gun speaker. So he has no content. And he makes a hell of a good living speaking for organizations to their customers on their content. And he told me offline, it's not on the call, uh, but I really dug into it when I was setting up the call with him. So Brian, what are you doing? He said he's busier than ever at the moment because what he does is he, he'll come along to say the NHS if they're a client of his and he'll say, what message do you want to get across to your clients? They'll tell him, then together they'll design a, um, a series of workshops. It's not a keynote, it's a series of workshops that he'll deliver to them and, you know, his fee for doing that is something like 10000 US a workshop. And they're paying that even for the online stuff. So, I mean, I think there's magical um, advances for people here. Paul, what about um, all the speakers around the world that are scrambling to build their online programs and, and you know, uh, everything like this? Uh, you know, do you think that that's worthwhile? And what's your view on that? And has it got its place? And what's the price points, et cetera? Um, well, I, I think we we need to um, to be aware that the world is different now, but I think it will change back a little bit to normal, and we call it the new normal. What it is, nobody knows. But doing stuff online will be magic. Um, like you said, there are a lot of ways uh, how to organize it. Uh, show that you are a professional. Uh, like you said, like having a good microphone, a good headset, good lights. Um, you are using a green screen. I don't. Um, for me, it's more natural to have a banner behind me and show that I'm just in an office. Um, um, I, I think we need also to look how we can work together as speakers. We didn't for a long time. We were all private enterprises, we were traveling all around the world and now we need to connect. I did it, uh, my coaches told me to build a ring of steel. Uh, that's about two years ago. Uh, <laughs> and one of the things they told me was to write a book together with them. And the fun part is that we released it two weeks ago and it has on the back, and, and we wrote this in December last year, we are living in an extraordinary moment in human history. Hold we had the book. no clue that COVID was coming. Yep. And we wrote this book. It's nine people. We, we just wrote 15 pages and we're giving it away to our clients and say, hey, maybe you don't need me, but look at the other eight people in the book, maybe they can be of support to you. Yeah. So create your peer groups, create your ring of steel, and, and let's see how that works, because we, we need to work together and make the pie bigger. I, I keep telling it, uh, the story of Gafford Roberts, uh, let's make the pie bigger, let's be friends, work together, and you can be friends online, and you can be friends in real life, and, and we need to create more partnerships. I think that will be the future. Yeah, exactly. That's fantastic. I've got a couple of questions and comments here, Paul, but before I ask you, can you just stand up? Because I think you're wearing a very specific T-shirt there. So, Maker of Miracles, the Plan B Summit. Oh, very, very good. That's awesome. Strangely enough, because you and I are like brothers, right? Hopefully, I think under my jumper, I'm wearing my Plan B Summit t-shirt. So, <laughs> so isn't that funny? 
Um, let's have a look at the questions, right. Uh, Lisa said she's actually started, this is Lisa Evans, started virtual workshops for one company. I set up a studio at home starting next week, charging them extra. Okay, good. Um, Diane, it's amazing how it helps. I've started two series of masterclasses. Um, and now Diane's from South Africa, Paul, and she's also sort of head of the Cape Town Chamber of Commerce. Um, set up two masterclasses, one that covers four areas of keynote speech and another on importing and exporting. From this, she's picked up new clients and it's a great way to give back as well. And, you know, people love the idea of the book. Uh, one of the things Lundy and I are doing, we're just about to launch it actually, this was pre-COVID, but I think it's really relevant now. If I can ever get any space in my day these days, we'll get to launching it, um, is our new podcast. We've had a podcast since 2011, but we're replacing it with a brand new one on a different platform. And we actually are coming to the Circle of Excellence. We're gonna make our guests all from Circle of Excellence. So that'll give us 210 people to actually interview, um, basically, which will be fantastic. Yes, Philippe, uh, you are on my podcast, definitely. You're one of the names there. So he likes the idea, so he's gonna be there. But we've also talked about doing the Circle of Excellence book as well and getting people who are in the circle of excellence to actually come into the, the one book together and so that we can launch that book. So I love that idea, Paul. Um, Paul, I'm going to move away from you. We'll come back a little bit later on and I'm going to go to, to Sue now. So Sue, where are you on my list here? Uh, can I turn your camera on, Sue? So if we can do that. And so I, this is Sue Fuller Good. There she is. A oh, lovely painting, Sue, at the back. And um, Sue's from Johannesburg. She is uh, a health professional, has a business called the Energy Incubator, um, trained physiotherapist and like, boy, oh boy, super athlete, climbed every mountain in the world, run across every desert, swum every ocean. I don't know if there's anything you haven't done, Sue. <laughs> and certainly when we were in Bali last year, um, when you're showing Lundy and I how to do some basic exercises, you nearly killed both of us. And Lundy's an ex-dancer and fit. So, uh, <laughs> whereas I am not an ex-dancer, nor am I fit. So, Sue, thank you so much for, for being here today. People have been stuck at home. So, I'm going to focus on two things. Number one is I'm interested in your opinion. I got some great opinion from Nats Levy on our Conscious Leadership Summit over the weekend about... Uh, what to do at home for your health. So I'm fascinated by your tips for being at home and keeping healthy. And then also, you know, countries are now moving to a lower level of lockdown. People are getting out and about more. So I'm interested in your opinions as well about getting our heads straight by get, filling our lungs full of air. I mean, as you know, Sue, we live across the road from the beach. I mean, we're, I'm looking at it right now and, you know, Yesterday, there were seals playing in front of our house. It's still illegal for us to go to the beach, even with the next level of lockdown. It's killing us. So let's go back to um, health at home. So what would you say are the top three things that people should be paying attention to right now at their home? So, Mike, thank you for the question. I'd like to start by saying that health is the crown on the head of the well that only the sick can see. And I really think that's something that we need to consider because especially in this time of crisis, everybody is thinking about business and how to survive and how to survive financially. And I think if we could just remember that actually the most important thing we should be focusing on is in fact our health, because that is the treasure that's going to sustain us and that's going to keep us viable whatever happens at the end of lockdown and at the end of this COVID crisis. We need to be able to make sure that um, we are in peak condition, um, whatever that is for us. And it doesn't have to mean that you can climb mountains. It means that you can literally glow with health and be filled with vibrant energy. So yeah, that's the, for me the first point I want to make is that I think we need to prioritize our health and well-being above um, many other things. And, um, and I think that's quite hard for lots of people to do because it feels like that's a luxury. 
at a time of crisis like this. And, and I really, really um, wish to put it across that actually it's not a luxury, it's a complete and utter necessity. So um, I always think of, if you could imagine every part of your life as being represented as a ball, um, many balls will bounce if they're dropped. But your health ball, and by the way, your relationship ball too, is unlikely to bounce. Yep. It definitely has the potential to break. And if you consider your health as being like a precious crystal vase, if you drop it and it breaks, it's going to be shards of glass all over the floor um, and it won't be much use to you. So that's really not a scare tactic, just an invitation, hopefully an inspiration to put your health as a priority. So how to do that? I am going to start with the most unlikely thing of all, and that is sleep. I think that if we could make sleep an absolute priority, then we would be onto something because we would wake up in the morning with the energy to be able to do all the other things that sustain our health. So, so if just you before you sleep, go on, yeah. I, I love this because um, I'm, as I'm looking at your face on our call today, I, above, above you sits the very handsome Filippo, right? Hi, Filippo. He's smiling now. Um, Ex-captain of Manu Samoa. And uh, Filippo, your wife said exactly the same thing to me on the Conscious Leadership Summit when I asked her the same question. Now, now that you're smiling, I'm wondering why you're writing notes down about sleeping more when Sue's here, but, you know, Nat said the same thing. So... Sue, why is it that sleep is so important right now? And to be quite honest, um, Landy and I are definitely doing that. Uh, you know, it's rare that we're in bed after nine o'clock at the moment. Um, and we're really paying attention to our sleep and our rest as well. So during, during the day. So tell me about that. And because I, I think a lot of people are, are waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning stressing at the moment. Mm. So um, thank you for, for that point, Mike. I think it's not just important to get the number of hours, it's also important to get the quality of hours. And um, how well you sleep is determined by how you live during the day. So if you are like a wound up spring that's literally coiled into a tight, tight knot, then your nervous system can't unwind to allow you to go into a deep state of sleep. And sleep is actually when your brain detoxifies itself. It is in fact when learning occurs and it is in fact when creativity is allowed to process in your brain. So without adequate, good quality, deep, rapid eye motion, rejuvenating sleep, all those functions are gonna be diminished. So how to get a good sleep? I think what I love what you say about going to bed at nine o'clock, um, many people, especially Europeans, I think find that almost impossible to do. Uh, it's just not part of your culture. But um, I call them the magic hours. Those are the hours before midnight. And, and right. we, we have seen in the research that the more hours you get before midnight, um, the better your, your quality of sleep through the night. And it's like every hour before midnight counts for two hours, in fact. Wow. So... I don't know, if you Europeans can try and get yourselves to eat your dinner a little earlier and get yourselves into bed, it really does uh, make a significant difference. So that's the first thing is get to bed a little earlier. And, and I always say, try and operate with the sun. So um, get up early because that's the most, um, yeah, that's how you're designed, in fact, where animals like uh, all the other animals on the planet. And so we're not designed to operate with computers and lights and all that sort of stuff. We really are designed to work with the sun. Um, so wherever possible, get up at dawn um, and, and go to bed as close to dusk as you can. Um, and then I said that, you know, trying to manage your, um, the coil of your nervous system's tension um, during the day is vital. And, and I think that really requires unwinding at regular intervals during the day. So I've been busier than ever actually in this COVID time. I mean, I just can't keep up with the work that's coming in, lucky me, uh, because I think um, a lot of people are struggling with their health and with their stress levels. And so my coaching is 
is busy and my physio practice is really busy. But um, I find if I can just take a little walk around my garden, I'm lucky enough to have a whole acre of land with trees and grass and it's very, very beautiful. But even if you don't have that, um, just to get a little bit of movement into your body and some fresh um, air into your lungs and some natural light on your skin every hour or every two hours is enormously effective. So I would love to invite people to think about movement, not as something you quickly do in the morning and then tick, tick, it's done for the day, um, but rather as something that you pepper your day with. So trying to get as much of it as you can um, into every couple of hours, because yeah, that great. just allows, sorry, Mike. No, that's no, it's fantastic, Sue. So getting movement every couple of hours. I just want to let you know what the comments are saying. Um, because we've got people like Sean and Lisa Dudson saying they're turning their phone off, putting on airplane mode at, you know, between sometime between six and seven till morning, which I think is a great idea for those of you that are, have not got access to the chat. And Paul Tavall saying Northern Europe eats at six to seven and Southern at eight to 10. So, and that's one of the things that we're doing so we can go to bed earlier is we're, we're eating earlier. I learned this from my friend Glenn Levy many years ago. Um, that one of the secrets to, you know, losing weight is to make sure you eat before about six o'clock. So um, that's always been our goal is to eat around the six o'clock mark. Sue, back to you. Number three. So, so on that, um, I always love to say you should eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a queen and supper like a pauper. So <laughs> I really, really mean it. If you could try and, and get the main part of your nutrition and, 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 um, caloric input coming into your body earlier in the day and just a snack at night, then your ability to go to bed earlier and sleep better is going to be enhanced. So I know that's not how European cultures work and, and lots of other cultures around the world. Paul's shaking his head, I can see. Um, but yeah, I really do think that if we could just shift our mindsets a little bit, and it doesn't have to be every day, um, just trying to you know, shift things around a little bit so that we're not eating a great big meal filled with meat and fat and big stodgy plates of carbohydrates just before we're trying to go to sleep and, and get our body to unwind and, and rejuvenate. Um, yeah, and so Philippe here is saying he's doing intermittent fasting a few times a week. Skipping evening meal helps him sleep better. Um, yeah, then Sean's saying, Sean from Singapore is saying he's got... Uh, a friend stopping eating dinner, fasting. She's sleeping better than ever. Um, Heather's also doing regular short meditations through the day. Paul Tavares walking 10 kilometers a day in three shifts. Um, I'm not allowed out of our apartment, Paul. So doing 10 kilometers, that's a long way around the apartment. So good for you. Uh, Renk's saying, hardly ever in bed before 1.30, yet I sleep 90 minutes per hour. Oh, very funny. Okay, he's always got a good sense of humor as our <laughs> Back to, back to you, Sue. Let's move into the, the third tip. And then I've got one more question. Then I'm going to open it up generally for questions to everybody. Yeah, so uh, just to leave you with a little um, phrase that I think is worth holding in your mind space is motion is lotion. So, um, you know, just put lotion on your body as often as you can. But the third tip is, is really to pay attention to your mind health and, and um, I'm, I'm glad that doing regular meditations has been raised. I don't know what it takes for you to maintain your state of um, calm in your mind, but I can't even stress nearly strongly enough how important that is for your well-being. And because the mind and the body are so inextricably linked, your health will never be good if your mind is, is not in a calm and peaceful state. So, I always say that your mind is your slave and not your master. And so paying attention to the thoughts that are going on in your mind is absolutely vital. And, and that really requires being the observer, you know, actually understanding and paying attention to what's going on in your, in your thinking. That can be done magnificently in a mindful meditation, just sitting for a couple of minutes and actually watching your thoughts. Um, but it can also be done throughout the day, just becoming 
sort of aware of watching yourself, almost being a fly on the wall and seeing how you're operating and what's going on in your mind and in your nervous system. And um, noticing the recurrent thoughts that are going on, noticing the unconscious mantras that you're running. You know, lots of people are saying, ah, um, I'm in chaos, things are disastrous, uh, I've got no business coming in, that sort of thing. And they're, they're unconsciously running that like a stuck record in their mind. And so my invitation is to take charge of that unconscious thinking pattern and replace it with something that you consciously put there. So something like, um, I run often in my mind, I'm safe, um, I'm abundant, uh, opportunities pour into my reality consistently, I'm the healthiest person on the planet. Uh, those are just ones that pop into my mind and I run them consciously through my head so that I'm changing that neural pathway of um, you know, running into a state of chaos and, and that downward spiral that so easily comes from a negative thought, especially if it's a recurrent one. So I'm going to um, backtrack a little bit to really the um, point I'm trying to make is, yes, it's very valuable to meditate. And um, I'm an absolute believer in the value of meditation on a daily basis, whichever type suits you, whether it's mindfulness or, or, or actual meditation, whatever it happens to be that works for you and is easy for you to do. But I would love to say pepper your day with mindfulness throughout the day, becoming aware of what's going on for you, becoming aware of yourself and consciously shifting that. And um, as part of that, I find it incredibly helpful when I take a break and definitely before I go to sleep at night to write down um, in a, I don't call it a journal, just on a piece of paper that I can toss in the bin, um, to write down the recurrent thoughts I'm having. To actually, sometimes if I can't think of a recurrent thought to write down, I start by saying, I'm afraid of dot, dot, dot. And then I just answer the question. But to actually get those recurrent thoughts onto a piece of paper helps your mind to become the observer of them and, and to actually see what it is that's going on in that unconscious mind of yours. And when you can do that, you have the power to change those, those um, thoughts quite easily. So, but the most important magic comes from just being the observer of it and actually being able to see it. So um, I'd like to summarize that last point by saying, really, you are the master of your own mind. Take leadership of your mind on an hourly, daily basis. Sue, that's uh, absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, Paul, Lisa and Sue, you know, I really want to thank you very, very much for, for your expertise. So 